the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Stock staging a little bit of a comfort. Your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finance, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800-516-1220. So call in. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now to start your day with the latest news and market commentary. Here's Rob Black on the Bay Area's business leader, 1220 KDOW. Welcome in. Rob Black in your money. I'm Rob Black. Happy April 8th. Seven more days till the tax man cometh. Wow. If you've ever looked at your pay stubs or have you ever looked at your taxes and really figured out what you paid in Social Security taxes, what you paid in uh, income taxes, what you paid in sales taxes, which isn't on your um, your tax form, but you'd be surprised by how much you pay in taxes. It's egregious. That's why this show is so important because after you pay taxes, if you've earned a dollar, you might you might have 65 cents left. Uh, in some cases, you might have as little as 45 if you're on the wealthier side of the income stream. With that said, um, you got to make that money last. And that has to pay for your housing. It has to pay for your health care. That has to pay for your retirement housing and your retirement health care when you don't have a job coming with the inflow of cash. Okay. Okay. So we've had three bad days on Wall Street. We'll get over it. I promise you. There's still a lot of headline noise, i.e., there could be a civil war in Russia or in Ukraine tied towards Russia. Momentum stocks have been under pressure, and that's a good thing. The Facebooks, the Twitters, the Amazons, the Teslas, the Netflix, you can't go up every single day. You have to give some back. Um, I work out pretty hard five to six days a week. But then I soak and I relax on the on the seventh, um, and I do weights every other day. But then I don't do weights every other day. <laughs> um, you have to give back some. Your body does it. The market does it. So Russia, Ukraine, momentum stocks have lost their momentum. The employment report provided evidence to the labor market's okay. It's not great. It's not horrible. It's kind of the I'm not getting political here, but it's kind of the Obama curse. The recession that he kind of inherited or walked into in 2008, a recession recession takes time to brew, and you can't say that it happened the moment he was elected. You can't. So the recovery in jobs has been incredibly slow, and it's kind of a curse that he's kind of has. I've been living it. I know. I know. With that said, I do have some really good news, because I feel like I'm a little bit dour right now. Um, Do you know who Peter Mayhew is? 
He's going to reprise his iconic role as Chewbacca in Star Wars Episode Seven, already shooting now, set for December 2015 release. And with that said, do you feel you're too old? Do you feel like you don't have the game anymore of the younger actor? Thanks, Joey. Moving forward, and this is a good show day. I've got a lot of content for you. Um, hope is out there that the ECB and China are going to do what they do, and that is continue to put together stimulus packages to help their. And again, when you're talking about China at 7.6% growth, anemic, China has to manage their growth as carefully as the United States does because a collapse would be calamitous for the civilization. Companies continue to warn of some earning shortfalls yesterday. Swift transportation in Brunswick tied towards bad weather. So we're going to have that this quarter. I don't think we're going to have a blowout earnings quarter. Earnings start tonight with Alcoa. Aluminum company. Aluminum is a big indicator in our economy. They could tell you all about Asia. They could tell you about the United States. They could tell you about Europe. They could tell you about the aerospace. They could tell you about the bottling. Uh, very, 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 very interesting. Anyhow, uh, hope springs eternal. And that's where we're at in this market right now. It's We had a great run. The momentum stocks are getting hit a lot harder than the markets. So if you're down 10 15%, you're in momentum. If you're down 2 to 3% or up 1% or 2%, then you're in some value. So it's not as nasty as it may feel if you're in moment, if you're in value. It's pretty down and nasty in momentum. And again, it's normal and healthy. It's normal and healthy. SP 500 is up one today. Dow's down six, and Nasdaq's up 13. There was an article that I really, really liked in, I want to say USA Today. Um, I just don't quite have it. Oh, um, it was tied towards Reuters. And British scientists have for the first time used regenerative medicine to fully restore an organ in a living animal. A discovery that they say may pave the way for similar techniques to be used in the humans in the future. And my liver cheers. Yay! The University of Edinburgh team rebuilt the thymus, an organ central to the immune system, and found in front of the heart. A very old mice, by reactivating a natural mechanism that gets shut down with age, the regenerative thymus was not only similar in structure and genetic detail to the one in a young mouse, but it was also able to function again with treated mice beginning to make more T-cells. Now, again, I don't know what any of this means, other than we're going to live a lot longer. Or maybe this mouse will become vampiric and get his own show on Fox. I don't know. Point being is, I don't think you really want to rely on Social Security to take care of your income needs and retirement. So a story like this tells you, once again, even more. You need to save more now while you're working while you have that income coming in. And I love this, the example that I give. If you make $100,000 a year, you're going to earn $4 million in your lifetime from age 20 to 60. Now, again, you're going to get wage increases and stuff just like that, but you do the math. If you're making 50000 you're going to make $2 million. $2 million would pay you $80,000 a year till the day you die. You're going to die at 93 to 95 unless you get a regenerative thymus. Thalamus, hypothymus. I don't even remember this stuff from eighth grade. Um, so that has to last. And 
$2 million in 40 to 60 years from now isn't very much money. It loses buying power with inflation. I'm not trying to scare you. I'm just trying to say you're making your own choices right now, whether it's going to be in a, a trailer park. Um, and all the money you're spending on that hot young vacation right now, it, it's some of the biggest regrets people have later in life is that they didn't save more when they were younger. Nike's up today, getting an upgrade from Stiefel. Uh, correction stocks price. They say it's standout fundamentals and standout company. Tesla. They're making an announcement about a leasing program for its small and mid-sized business customers. That's interesting. I told you that when I turn 50, I'm going to get a Tesla, so I still have a ways to go. But it's what I'm saving for. It's what I'm budgeting for. It's what I'm you know, idealizing Facebook, Netflix, Yahoo, Retail Me Not all got a nice upgrade from a pretty influential Internet analyst, a guy named Jordan Rohan. He's recommended investors buy these four stocks. Now, one name you may not know is Retail Me Not, ticker symbol S-A-L-E. Dr. Pepper Schnapple, Wells Fargo downgraded the beverage maker to underperform. Dr. Pepper, I just don't get it. Like, are there any people under the age of 85 who drink Dr. Pepper? I can't imagine Janie Montgomery Scott, or Janie, they initiated coverage of Twitter with a buy. That's a stock that's down 30% this year. Oh, and they've announced that they've redesigned their website to make it look more like, or redesigned their app to make it look more like Facebook. They're, I'm not saying they're desperate, but they're figuring it out on the fly. And they know they've got to figure out a lot. Let's take a break here. You're listening to Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. Little Edward Sharp taking us to the break. Stocks are fluctuating and are now trading little change. From Bloomberg World Headquarters, I'm Charlie Pellet. Investors are awaiting corporate earnings reports after the... Joe? I know you can be turning the dial. I ask that you don't. I know that there's a lot of moronic, inane, banal noise out there. It's easy to listen to. Um, there's certain types of food that always kind of gives me problems digesting, and it kind of goes straight through me. Not a lot of nutritional value. Typically greasy foods. And it tastes yummy, but 30 minutes later, you're hungry. 60 minutes later, there's no nutrition in what you ate. I I beg that what you put into your head is a little bit smarter than what's out there. Stronger U.S. growth this year and next will help the world economy withstand weaker recoveries in emerging markets, including Brazil, Russia, so says the IMF. Weakness in Japan and parts of Europe. The U.K. and Germany are adding to the momentum of the United States. So I feel very, very, very comfortable. Let the market correct. That's not the end-all, be-all, do it. It's a start. You have to build a case to uh, define your investment thesis. So like, if you've been in all momentum, you're getting killed right now because you didn't diversify. You should have had a plan before you need it to, in my opinion. Google mentioned something this morning, um, that Google Glass is going to be pushed towards businesses and not towards consumers. And that seems to make sense, because for doctors or nurses or uh, cops, 
it seems to make sense to have a portable computer, um, maybe not in your hand, a portable video camera, maybe not in your hand. The S&P 500 is down three today. The Dow is down 41. The Nasdaq down one. Joining me now, Tony Mendez, BayAreaLoanSource.com. It's BayAreaLoanSource.com. He typically comes on, talks real estate, talks mortgage lending with me. I saw a recent report out that the average wage in America grew 1.7% last year. Now, some cities were better than others. San Francisco up 3.7%. Baltimore up 3%. Seattle up 2.7%. Atlanta up 2.5% in income. D.C. up 24 St. Louis and Houston also on the list. What's interesting to note about that is real estate skyrocketed in San Francisco in the last year. Yes. And part of this is, you know, the medical and science jobs in San Francisco are paying a little bit more. But also, like Twitter and the IPO um, made a lot of little millionaires. And millionaires don't mind paying 10% over asking price as long as they get the location, location, location. So the incomes, in my opinion, is what drives real estate. So across the United States, real estate incomes in the United States have been pretty stagnant for 10 years. And yet we've had a bubble rise, pop, and rise yet again. Um, incomes to what you do, Tony, how important is the ability to fund your monthly mortgage versus collateral? Which is more important, your capacity to pay back the mortgage or the collateral? The amount of money you put down. The capacity. Okay. You have to be able – you could have – I mean, we have FHA, for example, that you, know, you could put as little as 3.5% down. You have down payment assistance programs that are offered by – your local counties and cities uh, with uh, 100% financing. So, but you still have to pay it back. Um, there's a lot of what they call streamlined products, even with FHA and, and Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac. You still have to qualify. Even under HARP, you still have to qualify. So it's the capacity, but you also have to have a good credit score. So in the past, it was just your credit score. Now it's your capacity and your credit score. It's interesting to note that... I refer to it as the three C's of credit, but there's you know, more to it than just that. But there's your credit score, i.e. the first C. That's important. There's the capacity, your ability to pay back, i.e. what's your income. And then there's the collateral, how much money do you put down. I recommend people put down some money. I'd rather you have skin in the game. Then you're going to be thinking more importantly about what you're buying. When you're putting 3% down or 0% down, you're like, Psh, I'll buy in stock and hope it goes up. It's all leverage. But if you're putting 20% down on the peninsula, it ain't all leverage. And you're thinking, which do I think is going to be better over the long term, peninsula or Stockton? At this point in time, Stockton. Peninsula. Probably Stockton now. Well, yes. You're looking at, at you know, you know, a lot of cities in the peninsula are over their peaks in 2007. Right. We were just looking at that today. So, um, yeah, you, just the theory of, of buy where the opportunities are, buy where nobody else is buying. Um, can, can also help you as an investor. But, you know, most people today, we have a lot of investors that have pulled out. Right. So most people that are buying today are not the speculators, and that's one of the reasons why we're seeing such low amount of inventory is changing hands right now. In the mortgage process and the refinance process, you taught me something kind of important, it, or you shined a little more light on it. The importance of, if you have an old credit card, use that one versus the new credit card because it's more, it's an aged account. And that goes into your credit score of how long have you had the accounts open? How long have you been able to use this without blowing up? For the purposes of radio, I answered your question in a very short form. But it, there are many, many factors that go into oh, the approval process. Not only the, the – the, you can have – for example, if you purchase a house, you have a, 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 an appraisal contingency. And most people think that's your value. It's not. It's the actual 
you know, the, the, the condition of that report. It's the quality of it. Um, your credit score, you have, to, you have a great credit score, but if you don't have enough trade lines, which are those credit cards and those old credit cards that have tenure, um, you can't get a loan. I, there was one guy who had real estate transactions in the past, mortgages. He's paid off his loan. He paid off all his credit cards. They're all gone. And he had a great credit score, but he had no trade line. He can't buy a house. Yeah. And he had great income. So it's a combination of every factor and the scenario itself. Are you doing cash out? Are you buying investment property? Is it a second home? Is it a condo? Is the condo in litigation? Um, then you have to change transactions Is it at a higher rate. Do you qualify with the debt ratio? So it's, it's everything that goes together. Even things like if you want to show that you've got cash and your parents give you $10,000, you want to season that money. You want it in that bank account for three, four, five, six months and not 30 days. Because it's all going to be seen. You, you think you're going to hide something from a mortgage lender? I can't. You can actually get gifts from, from family, and, and then FHA opens it up a little bit more. But um, that's true. If you, you have to be able to document your, uh, your down payment. But the, the rules in general are just getting tougher, Rob. Sounds good. It's Tony Mendez. He's my mortgage lender. You can find him online at BayAreaLoanSource.com. That's BayAreaLoanSource.com. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. I saw a study out, and what I do is I do a lot of research. I do a lot of conference calls. I read a lot. When I say research, I'm reading industrial research to the point that I digest a lot. One of the studies that I saw that it's sad. Seniors today are enjoying rounds of golf. Sure, they're retired. They're doing water aerobics. They're going to the gym whether motivated by mental stimulation or cold, hard cash, though a lot of Americans age 65 and older are keeping one foot in the workforce. Great thing to do. You keep your income coming in, and you have your drawdowns less because the income's still coming in. Sometimes it's consulting gigs. Sometimes it's part-time jobs, so, you know, home or professional pursuits. Um, a lot of people in retirement are taking advantage of self-employment. I highly endorse I like the idea of staying social. I like the idea of keeping income coming in, especially if you're not pulling it out. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. You can find me online at robblack.com. Coming up, Patrick O'Hare, briefing.com, talking big picture market analysis. off the cliff after a couple of four days of a rough spell on the S&P 500. How are you, Mr. O'Hare? Hey, Rob. Doing fine. Thank you. How was your vacation? It was outstanding. I was uh, in a nice, warm, sunny place, which was uh, desperately needed after uh, enduring the, the winter here in Chicago. So uh, uh, good to be back at work, but uh, I certainly miss that Florida sunshine. <laughs> When I was more active as an investment advisor many, many, many years ago, vacations kind of stunk because I always kept one eye on the market. Um, are you keeping one eye on the market, or do you just totally check out and, and do what you're supposed to and unwind? 
Yeah, I, I try to totally check out. I, I, I think at, at most what I might do is just look at the end of the day, see where the major averages finish, but uh, I don't really delve into kind of, you know, how they got there or why they got there. I just keep in tabs on things. And so, uh, yeah, my MO is pretty much to uh, to be on vacation when I go away. So, uh, so as I come back today, I am admittedly still – getting my bearings and getting a little caught up to speed here with uh, the market activity, but uh, uh, I think it's good for the uh, for the mind and the soul just to uh, set it aside for a little bit. It seems that one of the stories of this year, Mr. Herr, briefing.com market analyst, chief market analyst, it seems one of the stories is momentum has broken down and value has kind of caught a bid. Um, a sector correction, is that about right and is that a good thing? Yeah, well, you know, the the momentum, uh, from what I could gather and, and, and catching up here, obviously we saw, you know, a lot of the most those quote momentum stocks get get crushed uh, last week, and even even leading up to last week, uh, you know, I saw the biotech sector act very poorly, and so, um, you know, these corrections do need to happen because it just it, it just we've talked about it in the past, Rob, just about how it's, you know, elements of froth in the market and the speculative excess is, you know, it, it's not really, it, it's always going to be part of the market action, but when you start getting it in broad swaths, uh, it's not a good thing. And um, and unfortunately, probably there's plenty of people that are learning that momentum can cut both ways. And uh, if you've not prepared yourself for that potential, um, you know, big losses are, are you know, potentially going to be realized, and so um, to the extent that you're seeing these these corrections, frankly, I'm not surprised. Um, you know, we had uh, we were starting to see this uh, pipeline of IPOs really gather steam, and and some of those uh, new issues take off, going crazy on their first day of trading, like we saw in the you know the good old days. Uh, and that's some worrisome price action when you're talking about companies that really don't have much in the way of earnings. And, and so you have that excess supply hitting at the same time where, you know, prior IPOs, you've seen lockup expirations. Uh, so you had just more supply coming on. And I think that really interfered with some of the momentum, if you will, and some of those uh, other names that traders had grown to love. And so you're seeing this correction take place, and it's been quick, and it's been aggressive, and that. That is typically what happens, and I think it helps reset people's expectations, though, and and really reorients a lot of investors into uh, looking at good, profitable companies that don't have that type of uh, you know trading volatility. Let's talk a little profit. In your morning update, page one that you publish every morning, you talked about Swift Transportation in Brunswick announcing bad weather, earnings misses, or earnings guidance lower. Um, American Airlines just did a similar thing. How big of an impact is this going to have on earnings, the weather, mm-hmm. and do we care? Because we'll eventually get back to business as usual. Right. I think that you know that is the the big question is, is you know will the market really care? I think that you know it's well known that the weather was was terrible in the first quarter for a good part of the country. Um, so you have seen uh, analysts lower their earnings projections for the first quarter. The S&P 500 earnings, uh, according to facts that are now expected to be down 1.2%. Uh, at year-end 2013, they're expected to be up a little bit more than 4%. Um, and you've seen a, you know, a significant number of companies cutting their, their earnings expectations, you know, citing the bad weather. And so 
I do think that you're going to see some element of there being a, uh, a free pass, if you will, as companies come out and report some disappointing first quarter earnings. The key, obviously, is you know what they say about you know the second quarter and the rest of the year. Current estimates for the second quarter uh, consensus earnings estimates, uh, S&P 500 earnings expect to grow about eight percent. So we're expecting some you know some growth to pick up, obviously, on the earnings front, and they're even higher for the third and fourth quarters. Uh, That's not unusual. As you get closer to those actual reporting periods, the analysts end up probably, you know, tend to cut those estimates somewhat as more warnings come in. But but anyway, you are going to hear certainly a number of companies uh, lament the bad weather for some uh, earnings disappointments. I don't think that the market will care as much uh, when they do primarily because the market is already suffering some uh, indigestion here and you're seeing some price corrections take place. So the surprise won't be as as uh, strong as it might be otherwise. And I think you're starting to ring out some of that potential sell the news response here. And you may even, in fact, see you know a buy the dip type of move uh, as companies try to allay concerns about the, the first quarter disappointments. Let's talk a little bit about the IMF came out today and said pretty good things about the U.K., about Germany, about the United States. Uh, maybe took some exceptions with you know Russia and some other countries. Uh, some concern on China and Europe, but hopeful concern as well. Um, when I see something so big picture as that, it's kind of like a, a flag where I go, I'm relaxed. Uh, that's, that's good. That's nice. Mm-hmm. Um, how much weight do you put in IMF forecast translating into... American capitalism will figure it out and make money. Right, right. Well, when you you know just look at you know U.S. economies with sixteen trillion dollar economy, and and we kind of always uh, poke fun at economists uh, not being able to forecast our own economy accurately, right? Yeah. <laughs> now you have uh, an agency forecasting the entire world, right? It's giving its best guesstimate as to in terms of what you know is likely to to play out. So. You know, qualitatively, I think it's it's uh, good information. Um, you know, quantitatively, I will see in the end the IMF is going to be wrong about that forecast. There's no way to accurately project. <laughs> you know, uh, each country, um, uh, but I think in, you know, just the, the qualitative assessment is. is is sounding about right, and it fits kind of with our view that you have the U.S. economy, you know, still not doing great, but, you know, doing better than a lot of other developed economies right now. Um, Germany, obviously, has been continuing to surprise and doing very well. The U.K. is is gathering momentum here. Uh, and as you point out, there's obviously concerns about some of, you know, the growth slowdown in China. But, um, you know, these forecasts, uh, they obviously make for some interesting headlines. They're worth paying attention to, but... Uh, but I don't take them at face value right when they come out just because, uh, I mean, things are – you can't tell the future, obviously. You can make your best guess, um, and I think they provided a nice range of estimates there uh, that will offer some qualitative um, guidelines for people to keep stock of uh, in the coming months. I'm speaking to the very smart, very insightful, which is what I like, Patrick O'Hare, Chief Market Analyst, Briefing.com. I'll consolidate this interview. I'll post it on Twitter. I'll send it to briefing to a little later today. So if you miss it, it's always there on Tuesdays, 730-ish. Um, what are you working on, Mr. O'Hare? What, what do you see as important these these moments that you're back from vacation? 
Right. Well, I'm working on playing some catch-up, admittedly, um, and uh, I'll be working on uh, offering some additional first quarter reporting period insight, uh, what we might uh, take out of that. And I think I've given you a little bit of a preview of that in terms of what I think the market's reaction will be to first quarter results and, and sort of giving companies a bit of a hall pass as it relates to some first quarter earnings disappointments. But so that'll be, you know, one thing I'm working on this week. And then obviously we'll be continuing to watch the, you know, the price action unfold here and, uh, and how the momentum stocks uh, respond as to whether there's any buy the dip interest or whether they continue to sell off. Thanks for joining us. That is Chief Market Analyst Patrick O'Hare with Briefing.com. Briefing is a website that, and again, when he was on vacation for a week, I missed his writings. Um, I think you need to develop a team of insights that help comfort you, that help you know you figure out what the market's doing and why it's doing it. This market's not going to zero as much as some gold bugs out there want it to. I think we're a market based in capitalism in the United States. I think that model's catching on more and more around the world as communism failed and socialism has a high cost to the workers. So, you know, is there a mix now? Are we more of a socialist country than we were 10 years ago? I think there's some fair statements in that than 20 years ago. Absolutely. Um, But is that a bad thing? No. I think there's an ebb and flow, a give and take. And uh, getting people like Patrick O'Hara to talk, market analyst, he's not going to make you the most money in the world because he curbs his enthusiasm. But he's also going to keep you in the game. And one of the things you want to do as an investor is stay in the game. One of the biggest mistakes you could make is try to market time. Notice I don't have a market timer on the show. How many market timers have I ever met worth a million dollars? Zero. As the hilarious quote is, 0.0. So if you want to be that person, that's great. I got an email from the other day from a man who his son, I think, inherited $50,000 and he's seven years old. He says, the market feels a little high to me right now. Should I wait? I'm like, he's seven. Market goes up seven out of ten years. Okay, so maybe it goes down. Yeah. If you're really that worried, spread it out over two or three years or two or three quarters. But I try not to market time. Right now, value's working very, very well. Momentum's not. Maybe now is the time to pick up some momentum and discount. Maybe now is to say, hey, value's got a way to go. So anyway, briefing.com can be found online. Briefing.com. I've worked with them for 15 plus years. Top notch. I got a seminar coming up. You can sign up for it in Burlingame. You can learn more about it at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. Bloomberg Market Minute. Listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW and iHeart Radio Station. Okay, so there's some stories out there. David Beckham, he's trying out a series of new plays now that he's retired from soccer last year. He's got some fragrances out there. He's got a Major League Soccer club. Now he's teaming up with a Scotch whiskey, Diageo has teamed up with Mr. Beckham to launch a, a new scotch. Diageo is a publicly traded company, and it may not be a company that you like. They make alcohol. 
Again, my goal on the show is to get you to think about what you're investing in. Philip Morris makes tobacco and cancer cigarettes. What's right for you? I don't know. Um, is it Intel and semiconductors? Is it Samsung? Is it Apple? Diageo is publicly traded. It's a winery and distillery. And I, I don't know this to be fact. I don't, I'm, not, I don't, I'm not a Scotch historian, but they've been around for like at least, Scotch has been around at least 500 years. I'm sensing it's going to be around a while longer. And the big players, Scotchy Scotch, Scotch in my belly, belly, belly. I love Scotch. Pour it down. Um, Where do I go from here? So look at business models that might last. Now, here's a business model that I thought would last forever, and it's, it's starting to get attacked aggressively. And it's getting attacked by people under way under my age, 30. McDonald's is starting to look like Taco Bell's private punching bag. There's a new ad out today where the feisty Mexican fast food chain trying to get attention, and they're getting it. They got another commercial. They did some commercials a couple weeks ago on, you know, Ronald McDonald's, a guy named Ronald McDonald. Like 20 guys around the U.S. are named Ronald McDonald. They got them all together, and they all said, I'm Ronald McDonald, and I, I love Taco Bell's breakfast. So now they're going after the Egg McMuffin. Let's listen to a little sample. Really good. I was surprised how good it is. I love the new AM Crunch Wrap. I'm Ronald McDonald. Ronald McDonald. I'm Ronald McDonald. I love Taco Bell's new breakfast. A delicious new breakfast everyone can love. Even Ronald McDonald. There you go. So Yum Brands is publicly traded. And again, you can invest in anything. And Yum Brands is Taco Bell. It's Kentucky Fried Chicken. It's Pizza Hut. Yum Brands, when most people talk about it, they talk about international. The opportunity is in China. People in China get married at KFCs. What? That does not make sense. So this ad campaign, and it's a cute one, and the one that I wanted to play, which I didn't get, was um, Old McDonald Had a Farm. And that's the one out today. It's sung by a dorky guy. And he keeps talking about the 1980s and how in the 1980s he had an Egg McBuffin on the bus. Um, Taco Bell's new waffle taco. You get the idea. It's catchy. So he dumps all of his 80s fixations, like hip-hop. Um, like Loverboy. Takes down his poster of Loverboy. And he's he's pretty aggressively going after McDonald's. And what's interesting about this is Yum Brands management, they said, we're going to continue to do it. Yum Brands is at a, near a 52-week high. It's $75, 52-week high is 78 In the last five years, the stock's gone from 28 to 74 to 75 you can't, you can't deny. It's been a winner. It's paid a dividend along the way. It's had some problems with China, some chicken problems. China bought a big pork producer in the United States because they have problems with their, their food system. The United States has problems with our food system. There's a guy right now who's getting just tons of money thrown at him because he's trying to eliminate the egg because he thinks the way, you know, eggs are produced are inhumane. He said, if you could afford the $6.99 Whole Foods organic eggs, great, but most people can't, and they go with the $3.99, $4.99 eggs. I still want to be on prices, right, and play that game of the supermarket guy because I'd rock at that. But so this guy's coming up with eggless mayonnaise, and he's spicing it up with some extra ingredients, uh, I don't want to say habanero, but you get the idea. And 
young people will will go with it. There's a company called Tom's who sells shoes, and every pair of shoes you buy, he gives a pair of shoes to someone in a third world country or an emerging market to be politically cracked. Younger people under 30, 35, they're willing to support socially much, 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 much more so than Generation X. And definitely the baby boomers have kind of lost their way at this point in time with the products that they buy. So Taco Bell escalating the breakfast war, it's fascinating to me. I wasn't an Egg McMuffin kid. I wasn't. Uh, My family rarely did McDonald's. It was considered a treat, which is ludicrous to think about. But now it's considered child abuse almost to give your kids greasy fast food. So Taco Bell's not that different from greasy fast food. It's an improvement. But you see why companies like Chipotle do as well as they do. There's breakfast wars going on. Chipotle's talking about doing their own cup of coffee. Oh, Tom's? Tom's is also starting to think about doing coffee. And, you know, the trick there is is they'll give, they'll plant coffee beans or they'll do something good for the world. And that's their business model. If you haven't Googled it, check out Tom's. It's a fascinating um, business model at this point in time where they're tying social giving in oh, and eyewear. They have eyewear that if you buy a pair of glasses, they'll give away a pair of glasses to you know, you know, a world that needs it. Small act makes a big difference. And uh, I think you're going to see more companies take that business model because marketing and advertising works. Just me saying that Tom's is going to donate every time you buy, you're like, hey, I could do that. Anyhow, anyway, Chipotle Mexican Grill, I mentioned them. They're off about 80 bucks from their all-time high. And I think they still have a ways to go because I think they're going to bring that concept to pizza, fresh, organic, local. I think they're going to bring that concept to Chinese. And I think people under and the idea that you don't have to tip, I think people feel much more comfortable with that in this day and age. Um, it's not fast food. It's not quite, you know, uh, restaurant quality. But it's, it's, it is what it is. So Chipotle trades at a P of 50. That's a company that if there was a big market correction that got caught in the downdraft, I'd be thrilled. Anyhow, got a big event coming up in Burlingame. Two events, one for people heading towards retirement, one for people and families in particular who need to get their financial act together. You can sign up for the event coming up at the end of April at robblack.com. Eating waffle tacos and AM crunch wraps. And I just made like $700 on Craigslist. Move on from your old McDonald breakfast with Taco Bells. Hey, parents of children with asthma, here's the Breathe Easies with another one of your favorite hits. Don't smoke in the house. Don't smoke in the house. Don't smoke. Consultation. That's 408 Welcome in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black. Talking all things financial money, investing, and more. We have an interesting economy, especially in front of, an interesting economy that's doing okay, in front of a Congress that is just dysfunctional. Election year legislation to resume long-term jobless benefits. It's headed to the House, where a small band of dissident Republicans is leaning on Speaker John Boehner to permit a vote on resuming aid to more than 2 million victims of the Great Recession. There's people who have been unemployed for a long period of time. And the federal government helped states with it, and they created some you know, emergency unemployment insurance that expired in December. 2.3 million workers have probably gone without assistance since the last expired uh, date of 2013. 
if renewed, it would total about $256 a week for these 2.3 million jobless workers. And in most cases, it would go to men and women who have been off the job longer than six months. There's short-term unemployment, there's long-term unemployment. They're very different programs. And I'm not going to get into the politics of this. (laughs) It seems to me that Boehner, Representative Boehner, has said something along the lines of, hey, we'll take a look at this package as long as we do some more um, economic cuts to the deficit. As long as we take something away from somewhere else. This is an election year Congress that is going to be very, very not going to pull, they're going to pull all the punches, right? The Republicans want more control. The Democrats want more control. So we'll see how it goes. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. We have an update in the markets. After three or four days of down days, we're getting a little bit of positive. The SP 500's up five, the Dow's up 30, the NASDAQ's up 31 points. There's a roll away from value and into growth today. For quite a few days there, the, the direction was the other way. So Alcoa kicks off earnings season tonight, and then next week earnings really start to pick up, and then the following week gets kind of crazy town. Bank of Japan today, and again, we know the earnings are going to be weak. Weaker than expected because of the cold weather. A lot of people wanted to buy a car but couldn't get out and buy a car. Bank of Japan maintains policy stance, seeing no need for additional stimulus at this time. Recently battered momentum names are getting a little bit of a, a purchase up today. Consumer discretionary, doing well. Energy, materials, tech, and utilities. That's pretty mixed. That's some defensive, some growth at sectors. Weakness seen in financials, healthcare, industrials, and telco services. There's some fun headlines out there today. And there's some concerning ones. For instance, Amazon.com Prime Video Streams nearly triple. Now, they don't really tell us a lot about it. We know Netflix. We know the exact number of customers who drop the service, exact number of customers who have the service. But Amazon's invested millions of dollars, hundreds of millions of dollars, in TV shows and movies for Prime members. It seems to be working. They've put in pushing more aggressively into streaming video to compete with Netflix, with political comedy shows like Alpha House. Last month, they selected a new slate of original programs that will produce for Prime subscribers. It's weighing an ad-supported video service as well. There is, was announced with the $99 set-top box. They're trying to basically disrupt Roku, it looks like, and not depend on others for hardware manufacturing to allow their system into their boxes. Think about it. That could be a killer form of Samsung, Roku. All said we're turning you off and you're not allowed on. Nokia won Chinese approval. Nokia's $7.4 billion sale of its handset business to Microsoft received a crucial green light from Chinese regulators. Ah. It, it feels like Microsoft is always one and a half steps behind innovation. And yet their stock is doing well because it's got a lot of value to it tied towards the enterprise. I own shares of Microsoft. It's a little brick road. I just take it in action. Walmart is expanding in India. They've had a lot of problems expanding. They do their thing in the United States, 
but their thing doesn't necessarily work in other markets. Now, you want to have exposure to India's consumers for the next 30, 40, 50, 60 years. Traditionally, cash and carry businesses are cash-only outlets at which the customer is responsible for hauling the goods. So they're now setting up a slightly different business model where the store staff will deliver the goods to the mom-and-pop stores that had ordered them as much as you know, 40 kilometers away. So Walmart's halting their ability to open retail stores in the country, and they've ended its joint venture with Bardi. They face difficulties navigating Indian regulations that require foreign retailers to get 30% of their products and services from local small businesses. So they're kind of figuring out a way to get slightly a different angle. They're adding in e-commerce and adding wholesale stores in India to sell to small businesses after shelving its hopes for the retail stores. Again, not all countries work with the same exact business model, and you kind of get that. Um, other stories of note out there today, Chewbacca actor Peter Mayhew is going to reprise his role of the iconic Chewbacca in the next film, set to release December 2015. Man, Disney is hitting home run after home run, right? And what I mean about that is it's not rocket science. Uh, they bought Marvel, and I guess children under the age of 18, young adults, young boys, whatever you want to call them, they'll go to see movies three, four, five times. They are an awesome demographic for what Disney is pushing. Superheroes, Star Wars, Pixar films, uh, that Captain America movie did fantastic They've already announced that they're going to do another one in 2015. And they seem to have a franchise that just prints money. You're talking $150 million to $500 million per film. Woo. So Disney looks like a stock that you always want to accumulate if they keep... Again, they had their John Carter flop. And they're going to do less and less of that. Because they can invest that in a studio that's got a franchise and just milk the franchises. I guarantee you there's going to be a Frozen 2, 3, and 4. It may take 30 years to get them all out, but they'll all make money. Because the seven-year-old girls and boys who saw it and fell in love, they'll take their kids. Walmart, uh, that story's kind of tired. You know a story that I, I think I'm probably the only person who has the courage to do? Remember that Fort Hood shooting a couple days ago, a couple weeks ago? Um... The ramifications of something like that hurt a whole swath of people. And sometimes it's, it's almost unintended. So a soldier with a history of mental illness went on a rampage, Fort Hood, killing three people, wounding 16 others, with a 45 caliber Smith & Wesson semi-automatic pistol before he took his own life. If you're a major, if you're a, a company and you're in charge of hiring, you may think twice on filling your job needs with a vet. And that's tragically sad because there's thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of them who will be your best employee. But there's been three major gun attacks on military installations in five years. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. I'm Rob Black.
listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome back in. Rob Black and Your Money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Anything you want to talk about, we could talk about. Um, Twitter is unveiling a look that's exactly like Facebook. They're trying to become more of a destination that you go to other than just send a tweet. The redesign is going to take place over the next few weeks. They're going to promote things like best tweets. Tweets that have received more engagement will appear slightly larger. Pin tweet. Pin one of your tweets to the top of your page so that it's easy for your followers to see what you're all about. Filtered tweets. Now you can choose which timeline to view when checking out other profiles. Um... Good golly. That's all I'll say on that. They're in for... Uh, Twitter's one big problem is that... Twitter's one big problem. It's something along the lines of, of the language. Facebook is a, hey, it's a picture of you and your friends. Here's what we did on vacation. Here's my uh, kid who's not the best-looking kid. You know... Um, I don't know. It's it, Facebook and Twitter. One is so easily socially digested, and then the other one you have to hashtag. What is what's a hashtag? But I don't think Twitter goes away. Twitter's done something relatively smart and interesting with media. If you watched CBS Final Four last night, it was everywhere. Everywhere, uh, Twitter was. And social media is clearly developing. Media companies are quickly learning we have to be on social media platforms almost from day one. I don't know, in five years, will will Twitter look stupid to us? Like AOL looks pretty stupid. (laughs) I still love the people with AOL email addresses. Typically, when they send me an email, they're like, I'm old. Why don't you talk about stuff for me? Because this show is really about getting to retirement. It's not about retirement. Financial literacy education has a lasting impact. There's a study out that basically says if you teach your kids that you know debt can be bad in high school, that they'll carry that for the rest of their life. If you teach your kids some basic financial knowledge, they'll be more averse to debt. They're more likely to pay credit card bills on time. They're less likely to go over their credit card limit. I totally agree with the idea and the concept of education. That's one of the reasons I do this show. And yes, I'll talk about seniors on a regular basis. And yes, I'll make fun of old people as being a food source, soil and green, as part of a dystopian future that we learned many, many years ago in, in television and movies. There was a TV show dedicated Logan's Run to once you turned 35, they basically, you went to the retirement center and you never were seen again. There was obviously Soylent Green where, you know, the world was running out of food, so we started turning old people into crackers. Now, I like my crackers with a little bit of cheese on them. So I hope that future has cheese. Right? Are you with me? Are you against me? Choose a side. Um, so old people, and I say this 
as a defi- definition, not as an insult, but as a definition. Old people are working longer in the workforce, and I think that's a good thing. They're keeping one foot in the workforce, motivated by mental stimulation sometimes, motivated by cash flow needs, yeah. Among, careers, uh, among current seniors, more than 16% were still in the labor force in 2010, up from 12% in 1990. So in 10 years, or in 20 years, we you know, had a significant jump of people who are working um, age 65 and older. A poll that was released last week found 82% of workers age 50 and older believe it's somewhat likely they'll, they'll work during retirement. 82%. So they're the next round. So will that jump number jump from 12% to 16% and then 16% to 82%? Back to the teenagers. And for the record, work as long as you can, but no one thing. You're taking away the future of 20-somethings. And I blame you for doing it. I don't think you did it intentionally. But there's also a nice little demographic trend. Without a doubt, one of the most powerful tools in investing, the most powerful tools is looking at demographics. And uh, one of the sites that I frequent on a regular basis is census.org or census.gov. The concept is pretty simple on demographics. People 20 to 24 years old in population, people 25 to 34 years old. The number of 20 to 24 years olds is starting to grow. And as that grows, they're going into the workforce. So they're closing the gap on their older millennials. Basically, if you look back in the last 80 years of American history, when people hit 25 to 34, they start pulling in more income, and they start spending it. It creates a lot of households. Time to make babies. 22, 23, I'm young. Want to party. 25, 30, 33, my biological clock is ticking. So there's obviously some big concerns. Like, you can't say that's the end-all, be-all. But it's a pretty important chart to look at. So... It's referred to as a cyclical variation. Employment is far more driven by simple demographics. The marginal change in 25 to 34-year-old payrolls drives most important long-run economic variables. You can make money just investing in the products that 25 to 34-year-olds buy. Housing market is tightening. The recent trend in housing vacancies indicates that excess stock of vacant homes built up during the housing bubble has now been more than worked off. Vacancies will continue to trend lower so long as residential investment remains near historically depressed levels. This augurs well for home building as the engine of growth for the United States economy. So look at the dollar and try to figure out why it's so important. It's because a lot of people have faith in our spending as a nation. Consumer spending is around all-time highs as a share of U.S. GDP. We're still spending. We've tightened our belts, but we still spend. Labor income is at multi-decade lows, but again, that 20 to 25-year-old starting to mature. And it's closing the gap with 25 to 34-year-olds fast. Now, further wage weakness suffocates the U.S. consumer. Higher labor income will be a detriment for profit margins. 
This is a good year for the economy, but profits could start falling short of forecasts. You listen to me, Rob Black. Talking all things financial. Got a big event, two events coming up in Burlingame soon. Last Saturday in the month, you can sign up for the events in Burlingame. One in the morning is for beginners and, and young families. One in the afternoon is for people heading towards retirement. You can learn more about the events at robblack.com. Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW and iHeart Radio Station. Welcome back. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black. I dig this song because it's kind of silly. Um, by the way, the killer's got a lot of play on. Final Four. Yeah, they play that final song where they show you all the highlights of the tournament. I don't know. Something about crossing over. Is it that easy? Brandon Flowers. Checking back up on, you know, what song means or doesn't mean. Um, I don't know. Depression? Drugs? Crossing over? Aliens? Could it be really aliens? Could it be the quandary between religion and science? Is the star maker in his world God, or is the star maker a music exec? Dream maker, is it a scientist's imagination, or is it an artist's imagination? Suicide and depression. Uh, I think if you think it's about aliens, I think you're wrong. But that's neither here nor there. Anyhow, and anyway, I'm totally digressing, and I apologize for that. Uh, one of the things I like to do is talk demographics. I, I think they're stories that make a lot of sense. The last segment, I hit on that pretty well for you. Um, I could hit further on it. Um, you know, there's something called a Triffin Dilemma. It's the conflict of interest between short-term domestic and long-term international objectives. When the national currency serves as the world reserve currency, as does the U.S. dollar. The United States is giving China some flack and saying, don't you deflate your currency, don't you do it. Deflating your currency could just be printing more of it. The current withdrawal of stimulus coupled with the moderation of the size of the trade deficit, it's a massive headwind to the global dollar liquidity. previous big crises that you could look at for historical presidents would be the Eurozone debt crisis and the Lehman subprime crisis in the United States. 
Banks will need to be less hawkish in their approach to paying back money to monetary policy. This is a slightly different era, because when they did, they, they, they destroyed the economy. There's a lot of interconnectedness now. The Eurobank deleveraging is almost over. And I think this is one of those stories from 2012, 2011. Europe's a problem. They've got Portugal, they've got Italy, they've got Ireland, they've got Greece, they've got Spain. All, all problems. Too much debt, high unemployment, not good. So what they did was they started taking their medicine. Deleveraging, capital raising. Um, typically associated with you know headwinds for economic activity, but it's also getting your balance sheet in order. Combination of shrinkage of balance sheet and capital raising, it's been pretty significant. Europe is looking good. The headwinds on their economic activity should start to abate, and I think Europe will have a nice nice run for two or three years. They got punished hard, and they took their pills. I'm very you know when you start dealing with Brazil, Russia, India, and China. You know, China's got economic activity. There's no doubt about it. I do not like Brazil, and I do not like Russia. Um, India, I like over the longer term. I think India's got, out of the four, the best political system, the best education system. And they've got cities that are developed nicely. They've got a lot of corruption. But that comes with the territory as you're growing into an economic powerhouse. So, wage growth is something we're going to be paying a lot of attention to in the U.S. Because it's been pretty stagnant for 10 years when adjusted for inflation. It's probably been hurtful. I think we have some upside in this market. Over the past 15 weeks, there's been a sharp acceleration in bank lending, which is now growing at an 8.6% annual rate. It could suggest the bull market has another leg. As people borrow money, they spend it. Right? Small business loan approved. Let's go get a new building. Small business loan approved. Let's go buy some marketing. So we want to watch on building inflation. We want to watch on cost of commercials. Things like that. Probably the most horrible thing that I could say, and this is just, this is where I hate being me. If you take a look at poverty in the United States and take a look at the effect on children, the impact of inequality on both you know, more subtle and profound, one of the tragic things is that there recently was a study in nine-year-olds, white rural children. And in poverty, their diastolic and their systolic blood pressures are much higher. In middle income, they're much lower. Stress hormones like cortisol, neoepinephrine, epinephrine. In poverty, nine-year-old kids are stressed. In middle income, less so. Now, if that doesn't make you like tragically sad, like one of the things I like doing is is teaching kids how to swim. The happiest moments of my lifetime happened under the age of twelve swimming. I had an alcoholic father. He wasn't the easiest guy to be around. He, was, he created stress. He wasn't a fall on the floor drunk. He was a play with your kid's head drunk. And to this day, I'm damaged. And I'm okay with that. I've got daddy issues. I want to please people. 
But the point being is our children should have a good life, and they should have the best days of their life when they're young. So seeing that poverty is stressing kids out, that almost makes me want to cry. Let's talk about debt now. The debt that pays you to own it. There's a fear of the ultra-easy monetary policies being unwound too fast, pushing investors into shorter-term durations, exponential growth in both investment grade and high-yield assets of, of funds that would you know, do well. So the bond market's... I once watched a nine-year-old kid play soccer. And his team, 10 kids, 15, 11 kids, that all run straight to the ball. It was pretty humorous to watch. Both sides would go to the ball. They'd play the ball. They wouldn't play their positions. They wouldn't stay sweeper. They wouldn't be striker. They wouldn't stay halfback. They wouldn't stay fullback. And he comes off the field and goes, it's a mess out there. And I think the bond market is kind of a mess. Uh, we've seen over the last four years the Fed quantitative easing announcements. We've seen inflation expectations rise. Credit spreads tighten. Um, treasuries are starting to outperform. So, and you can see that with where the 10-year treasury expectation is based on inflation expectations. I would be very cautious with how you play debt, especially long and midterm debt. So, I guess what I'm coming out of this is the United States looks good. Europe looks okay, improving. The rest of the world's got some challenges. You know, China's still very, very powerful. We don't look at the African continent yet as a contributor. We don't really look at the Middle East economies as a contributor. Now, someone's going to come out and, you know, slice up, slice me up for, you know, what, oil doesn't contribute? As far as consumers go, as far as wages go. Um, what should I throw out here about this? Economic slack in the U.S. has declined substantially, and you can see that in many measures beside the unemployment rate. Shrinking slack means Fed tightening will remain a front-burner issue. And that has good, good ramifications and bad ramifications. When economic slack tightens, you know, you get some wage inflation. But you lose corporate profits. The stock market's at all-time highs because of corporate profits. We've had a rough 10 years on wages, and yet corporate profits are good. I'm not a let's-take-down-the-corporate-man thing. One of the areas that I think we're really well-positioned in the United States for the next 10, 15 years is mortgage spending. I refinanced all my mortgages in the last two years. First-time home buyers have been notably absent from the housing markets as that low wage growth is killing them. Rising home prices is killing them. Rising interest rates are going to start pricing out borrowers. Now, there is such tight supply that markets to markets differ. But mortgage applications are sliding. So, yeah, that economic activity of forming a household is going to be retarded. And, yeah, we should see some home prices show some sign of weakness, but that should also help some first-time buyers get back in when the investors get out. Now, again, this isn't rocket science. It's, it's an art. Um, I don't know. I, again, lowering my cost of mortgages, one of them I lowered by 33% by refinancing. That money goes straight back into the economy. 
goes straight back into vacations, goes straight back into other investments that help. So I'm pretty comfortable where we are. Not stressed, pretty comfortable. I would use any correction of 10 to 20% as a buying opportunity. I would consider continuing, you know, right on the flight of norm. Max out your 401k, your 403b, your 457. Always have a, a fund for housing down the road if you don't own a home. But you fund that after you fund your retirement. Take a break here. I'll be right back. It's Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black. Big event coming up in Burlingame just a few weeks from now. It's got a little bit of something for everyone. Sign up at robblack.com. Uh, you know, their trends are broken now. Public interest documents required for its planned acquisition of Time Warner with the FCC. They're saying there's enough competition in the video and broadband markets thanks to new technologies. Like Netflix, like Amazon Prime. This is going to be a fun one to watch to see what the FCC ultimately rules in. It's a $45 billion acquisition that would result in combined companies with 30 million capable subscribers. After Comcast divests 3 million uh, Time Warner cable subscribers. Two decades of consolidation has created four big cable companies. It used to be more of a mom-and-pop diversified market. It would result in a company that's huge. But Comcast and Time Warner don't really compete with each other on a regional basis. So it makes sense if there's other people who can compete on a national footprint, because their national footprint just gets bigger. You know, the home broadband market, the combined company would hold roughly 40% of cable cable modem subscribers. Now, they haven't competed with each other in any market, so you could say it's not anti-competitive, but suddenly they get much bigger, and they have a lot of content. In the video market, Comcast notes cable providers have been losing subscribers in recent years. Television companies um, are being created from companies like, you know, uh, Verizon. Google. Google plans to deploy in eight markets currently served by Comcast or Time Warner Cable. They're already in two. The service is amazing, so says reviews. Apple's got enough cash that they can buy the NFL package if they want. Now, they've agreed to, Comcast has agreed to certain conditions before the merger acquisition, trying to lay some fears that, you know, they wouldn't be honest with their negotiation with um, with licensing of content. That's the problem, is that Comcast would own a lot of media properties. When you're thinking about Comcast, you probably don't think of them as NBC. You think of them as your cable company. But they are absolutely NBC. So they are media. They are technology. They are NBC Universal. They are e-entertainment. They are the Golf Channel. NBC Sports. NBC Telemundo. They are Universal Pictures, Universal Parks and Resorts. So they got more than plenty of... uh, and if you look at their total properties, it's a list of like 80 to 90. So QVC, issues like that. They sold QVC eventually to Liberty Media, but they dominated that for a while. So we'll see what happens. Um, 
on one hand, you could say it's not anti-competitive. On another, you can say that I don't know if I feel comfortable with that. So I, I think I'm not creating news here when I say a lot of Americans have problems with cable companies. Uh, maybe it's that you know it started off as a $19 service, and the next thing you know, it's 150 bucks. Maybe that's it. Who knows? Stay-at-home moms growing amongst the young and the poor. Another one of those stories that you know the ramifications of what's happened in our economy. It it's, could be devastating to people. Daycare is expensive. So, it's still true of some moms. Researchers are arguing, though, that many women who stay at home are doing so at least partly because they can't afford child care. Now, the typical stereotype is it's, you know, a more educated mother who chooses to stay at home with her children because they can afford not to work. Now the teeter-totter is going a different direction. I've got a friend who lives relatively close to me that their family has three kids and the husband is busting his just everything, his back. And there's not going to be no private kindergarten. Unless somehow that becomes a, a social law. Um, there'll be no guarantee. We'll see. Again, I'm always fascinated by this. Story out today that Apple's iWatch may be able to keep your skin safe from the sun. A new report on the what's being worked on. Again, these reports are mostly wrong, but they do have some hint. Uh, for instance, the newest app in the iPhone is called HealthBook. UV sensors in its wearable devices. The sensors would be produced in Austin, Texas at Silicon Labs. UV sensors are said to be the industry's first single-chip digital UV index sensor. They could monitor your heart rate. They could monitor your pulse. They could detect gestures and proximity. Since they measure UV exposure, embedding them in a wearable device could help brands make their products stand apart from others. Long rumored iWatch. Google's got one out there. Samsung has one out there. Pebble is out there. A Kickstarter kind of play. The first year that they released iWatch, 10 million units. And detecting how many calories you've burned, how far you've walked. It's, it's, I think we're becoming a, nah, are we becoming a healthier nation. I think we're fascinated with health. So we still know nothing. We do know that Apple's poached five top medical talents. For instance, in January, they got Nancy Doherty from a startup, Sano Intelligence, which was working on a patch that could constantly monitor your blood. They poached Ravi Narishim of Vital Connect, a company that makes wearable biosensors around the same time. And if you go back to the big thumbprint, they started poaching companies, Authentech but also poaching talent tied towards thumbprint sensors. So they're going to do something big with health. We know that from the talent they're hiring. But when and what does it look like? It's the only reason I don't ever want to die is tech is so fun to cover. Hey, everybody, you can find me online at robblack.com. It's robblack.com. Thanks for listening to the show. Thanks for supporting the show. I appreciate it all. Take care. Have a good night. Good day. <laughs> Listen to the CFP Chad Burton show today on this very station, AM KDOW 1220 at 1 p.m.
views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.